And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I'm joined by Dallas Cowboys wide receiver Amari Cooper. Amari, how you doing? I'm doing great. Mean tweets. Completely fine with me. Your trade from the Raiders to the Cowboys. Some people had some things to say about that, and I want you to read and react to what they had to say. Let's do okay. the first tweet here. Cool. I'm convinced Jerry Jones has no idea what he's doing. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to the next one. They get better. Okay. Jerry Jones got hoodwinked and bamboozled and maybe even snookered. I don't know what snookered means. I don't That's my first time hearing that. Bamboozled, though. Okay. Yeah. Strong words. Yeah, those are strong uh, words. Wow, I can't believe kicker. people thought Let's get that. Let's to the kicker. A first rounder for Amari Cooper. The Cowboys are your friend who pays $179 for a t shirt that they could have bought at Target for $12. Wow. Wow, right? That one kind of hurt. How about them Cowboys? Indeed. What a week it's been in the NFL already. What a week it was last week at the NFL Combine with Father John Mishota and myself. A lot of Cowboys news, a lot of nuggets coming out of that to discuss. So welcome into this episode of About Them Cowboys here, the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Kent producing, welcoming back our Stars beat writer. He's off Stars duty because. Jason Robertson is uh, on fire. Things will be fine over there. So step on over here. Talk some Cowboys with us. Saad Yusuf is back. Of course, our host with the most, Kevin K.T. Turner. And your Cowboys beat man, The Athletic. Father John Michaud. I'm still recovering from the combine. I'm still recovering from this day. So much movement in the NFL. So many pods. Check those out on The Athletic football show. But K.T., uh, Jerry kind of left us hanging at the Combine last week. We were supposed to do another episode of this podcast, but uh, we didn't. Yeah, man. I was like, this is uh, unlike Jerry, too. Um, even though he might have a, a plenty of reasons to not talk, it's unlike Jerry to not be there. Now, uh, I guess we would say if it is a, a minor medical situation, that's definitely not unheard of for someone pushing 80 years old. Um, so, like, that's that could happen, like, right? But... Uh, it did feel a little bit fishy, just because you knew that Jerry really likes talking to you guys at the Combine. So what happened there, John? Yeah, it seemed fishy is a good word to put on that. Um, you know, because after that, the team said that it was a medical uh, issue, you know, we checked with people with the team and everybody said he was fine. And then it was told to us that he had some business he was doing on a project with, with Roger Goodell. And so that, that factored into it. So I don't know if there was some mixed messages coming from the Cowboys, but uh, obviously they were trying to provide us with some type of a reason why Jerry Jones wouldn't talk when he always talks to the Combine. Like everybody that was there covering the Cowboys, some people have been doing it longer than I have, never can remember a time where Jerry didn't talk at the Combine. So obviously the natural you know connecting of the dots is people would be like, well, he probably doesn't want to have to talk about that ESPN report about the settlement and the cheerleaders, you know? I mean, whether that's the case or not, that seems like something that somebody would assume because, again, he 
likes talking to the media and he is always out there at the combine. And so the other thing was too, is that it wasn't like we got out there and it was, they, and we were told this, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, third, we weren't told until like Friday afternoon that he wasn't going to be talking. So you're all, you're kind of hanging around like at any point or we get a heads up that, Hey, in an hour, Jerry's going to talk on the bus, you know, got, you guys got to be there or whatever. So you're kind of waiting around, you know, thinking that, well, it's Jerry, he's going to talk. He always talks. And this is the first time that he didn't. And not only that, it's just weird that he wasn't at the combine at all. Was he John? I don't think he was even in Indianapolis. As from what I, I heard, he wasn't once. even, he wasn't even in town. And, you know, Jerry loves the senior bowl. He loves the whole scouting process. So aside from us, screw us. He didn't have to talk to us. I just found it weird that he wasn't in Indianapolis at all out there up in the stands with his binoculars or whatever. Yeah, man, look, given the NDAs and all that stuff that was going to come from that, he could have dodged those questions. That's my takeaway was like, he's made a history. He's dodged questions before, or he's, he's talked out of stuff before. Like it's to me, it's kind of strange, especially though too, we're, oh, there's a lot of team stuff going on right now. Um, like big time players like Amari Cooper and Demarcus Lawrence, uh, obviously in the news. And then you got other free agents you got to start working on. You know, the 14th is the opening of the legal tampering period. Uh, so 11 p.m. Monday night, the 14th. Yeah, tampering period, right? Quote unquote. And the you know, official, yeah, the official uh, free agency period opens next week, but it's, as you can tell, already, already going on. It, it would have been nice to see if we could de- decipher some of Jerry's thoughts on. The Amari Cooper situation, the Demarcus Lawrence situation, and now I, I'm very, uh, I'm very intrigued by what in the world's going to happen with Michael Gallup and Cedric Wilson and things like that as well. Um, anything new on that front? I know we haven't done a podcast in a week or so, so anything new on that front? Uh, start with Amari Cooper and Demarcus Lawrence, there, John. Yeah, I think with both of them, Amari would be. Number one, in terms of, I don't expect him back. Demarcus Lawrence would be number two. I think Demarcus Lawrence, there might be a small chance, but generally when you ask someone to take a pay cut and they say, nah, I'm good, you generally don't stick around. Uh, the reason you ask in the first place is because you've already kind of come to a crossroads that you're, if they don't take it, then we're moving on. And so it would not surprise me if both those guys are not on the team. Um, and it just, you're starting to get the sense now that it's almost a, you know, we're not going to, we're going to move on from Amari, but we're going to pay Michael Gallup, probably move on from Marcus Lawrence, but pay Randy Gregory so that you're not completely, uh, you know, hit on the roster at, at either of the positions. But as we've talked about on this podcast many a times, either situation isn't great. You know, I mean, I just, the, to me, Demarcus Lawrence is the one that has me scratching my head the most because I just don't know how this defense is on the same level it was last year and trends in that same direction without without DeMarcus Lawrence. I mean, you're not getting anybody at 24 that's going to be like DeMarcus Lawrence. And we all know that they're obviously not getting anybody in free agency or via trade that's going to be like DeMarcus Lawrence. So you see stuff like that, you can completely understand why there is a very frustrated Cowboys fan base that anytime you tweet anything about the Cowboys in the last week or two, it's met with 90 to 95% negativity. Yeah, and I, for me with Demarcus Lawrence, the other thing is like 
it it, it has a it has an, a domino effect on the other guys. Like it, it restricts Micah Parsons even more. It restricts Randy Gregory. I think Randy Gregory is not going to be the same player without Demarcus Lawrence. That's not taking anything away from him, but I think that's just the that that's just the case. Whereas you know if you lose Amari, I think with Gallup coming back, whether that be in October or whatever the case may be. You have C.D. Lamb, you have Cedric Wilson. If you bring him back, obviously they tag Schultz, but like you have different options to cover for that. I don't know that there's a replacement for Lawrence, and also Lawrence plays really well. Like he just because the the raw statistics that you look at, the sacks or whatever, uh, haven't been there. Um, he still plays where really well. He's still a reliable player. I I know he's coming off a season in which he missed a big chunk of games, but go look before that. And he hasn't missed a lot of games. Um, for me, it's a, it's not just about DeMarcus Lawrence. It's also about Micah Parsons. It's also about Randy Gregory, not being able to be the playing up to their full potential without DeMarcus Lawrence there. And, and, you know, you mentioned Cedric Wilson. So I'll just say this, like there's no guarantee Cedric Wilson's back. I think the most likely path right now for them at wide receiver is CD lamb, Michael Gallup, they just signed Noah Brown to a one-year deal. I think that third receiver is going to end up being somebody they draft. Now, that could be as early as 24, but I think you can get good value at that position in the second or third round. I see paths to where you address that, and you go into next season, you know, as we're recording this pod on the same day that they franchise tag Dalton Schultz. You know you're going to have Dalton Schultz for at least the 2022 season. You know you're going to have CeeDee Lamb. All signs point to you have, having Michael Gallup. You add a receiver that you get in the second or third round as your number three. That player in today's NFL can certainly step in and make an impact right away for the Cowboys. There's plenty of I guys. Don't, I don't see you doing that at, at, at defensive end. No, no, absolutely not. I mean, there's plenty of guys of all uh, sizes that you want. If you want a shorter guy who's a little more shifty, if you want the bigger guy, you know, those guys can be there. And I can give you names in first round, second round, third round you name it, who I think could step in and play. Are you going to get what Michael Gallup gave you in year one? I don't know. I can't tell you that, but I think you can You can fill that void. You're right. Defensive end because of problem. Now, we do know, as you reported today, they're uh, working on restructuring the contracts of, of Dak Prescott and Zach Martin to clear up cap space. Were you surprised that they slapped the franchise tag on Dalton Schultz, uh, Dalton Schultz rather than maybe throwing it on – Randy Gregory, even though it would cost you a little bit more, it does feel like that's the safe play in case you were to lose to Marcus Lawrence. Yeah, about a week, week and a half ago, I would have said, yeah, it would have surprised me. But the vibe I was getting out of Indianapolis is that this Blake Jarwin injury is a lot more serious than uh, the hip injury, I should say, uh, than we were thinking going into the combine. So it's, it's to the point where it's like, I wouldn't even really be counting on Blake Jarwin right now. So if you're not counting on him, and you let Dalton Schultz get to free agency, another team's going to pay him more than the Cowboys are willing to pay him. So you lose both of them. You're going to the next season with what? Sean McEwen, Ian Bunting. And then, of course, you can address that position in the draft too. Uh, you know, Dane Brugler doesn't believe that there's, you know, anybody worthy of a first round. But let's say in the second or third, there's still the tight end position is generally not one that you're going to step in right away as the number one tight end and make this big impact. So if that isn't the answer, uh, then if you don't have Schultz or Jarwin, then you're looking at free agency. We had mentioned on here last week about like a guy like OJ Howard, you know, and Evan Ingram, something like that. I don't even know if they're willing to pay the money that one of those players would get. And so as the week last week went on, you know, just being in, in Indianapolis, talking to people on and off the record, it just, things were trending in this direction. I'll say this, something that I, I, I did not hear, but when 
it started trending in this direction, one of my first thoughts was they're not doing this or giving an extension to Dalton Schultz unless Dak was like all on board with this. Like Dak was like, you know, we got to bring this guy back. This is this is a key guy. He He's always in the right spot. I trust him. We need a guy like this. Like we can't just, you know, we got to do whatever we can to bring him back. You know, I really feel comfortable with him in this offense. Uh, you know, and, and, and hey, at that point, that could have been during a discussion where the, where the Cowboys told Dak, hey, Amari's out. We're just going to tell you this right now. We're trying to re-sign Gallup. You know, we'll obviously have CeeDee Lamb. We're probably going to draft a receiver. There's a lot of talent there. And we don't know about Schultz. And maybe that's where Dak's like, we need to have Schultz back. And I just find it hard to believe that they would do this move without Dak having a lot of input on, I mean, he is a pretty Dak-friendly player. Uh, I know others will argue that he's not a great blocker and he's not a great vertical threat and things like that. And and those are all worthy criticism. Um, but I just, I, I bet Dak had, had some input on this. Yeah, and I think also when you look at just the way that the the salary cap and the finances are going to shape up, you're you're going to have a net neg like net savings on the offense just from a financial standpoint. I don't think you're going to be a better roster, a more talented roster. But as John mentioned, like the receiver coming in the th- third, fourth, fifth round, whatever the case may be, is going to be cheaper. And and so when you 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 can afford to do that, but I I still don't think Dalton Schultz plays on a franchise tag. Like I just don't. Uh, the Blake Jarwin thinks like it, the vibe just feels way too um, dark, and I think that the they're gonna figure out an extension with Schultz. I don't. I, I think the franchise tag in this situation is more reminis- reminiscent of the uh, 2015 Des Bryant franchise tag, where you know that something is gonna get done long term. And that's that's fine. I think you know John pointed out all of the things that people have said about Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz is going to be better than most of the tight ends that you would get in the free agent class. We, we all know that. Here's my my question. Tight end is not a position for me if, if that I'm willing to like, you know, kind of panic about though. I feel like I could go placeholder mode in free agency and spend less than one year at 11 million. And I understand what you're saying, Saad. There could be a deal where, you know, uh, Schultz gets a three at 30 or a, a two at 24 and not all of it's guaranteed. You know, like there's there's ways to – to do that type of thing, or maybe it's more than that. Um, well, you say that you say that is evaluating it on your own. I'm saying though, sure. What if we're going to say, KT, you're the general manager of the Dallas Cowboys, and you've come up with that, and 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 the scouts and other people in the organization have told you that, and now I'm coming here right now telling you, Dak just said that there's nobody he trusts more on offense than Dalton Schultz. More than CD, more than Amari, more than Michael Gallup. Again, I'm not saying Dak said this. I'm giving no. you a hypothetical scenario. If he comes there, I'm just saying that if I if I put that on the table, your $40 million, build everything around, this is the franchise quarterback, I could just see how some things could change in your mind. Totally, totally believe that. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And that's what it kind of, it kind of, there, there are good things and bad things that come along with like, hey, I want Dak to be more involved. Or there, there are, this, this is not a full thing where Dak's going to step in and he's going to be like LeBron running the Lakers into the ground, right? right? It's not like one of those types of uh, types of things. I, I was like on my free agent shopping list that I kind of made there, though. I was going through tight ends. I was like, man, I got some names that can get through it. And I'm not talking about that from a fantasy football perspective. I've got names of guys who are decent blockers, who are steady, and it would save you money. Because if you're saving money, if that's what, like, what is your goal this offseason? Is their goal to get under the cap? Is their goal to make the team better? Is it a little bit of both? Like, I don't know what their goal is necessarily. And the cap excuse, I don't 
love hearing that, especially knowing that the TV deals are going to go through next year and the cap is going to go up even more. So there's a big part of me that really doesn't give a damn what you're telling me about the cap because it, it's it's not as broke as, as you say. Yes, there are moves that have to be made. Totally understand that. I understand how it all works. But I'm not real sure that I buy kind of the idea of, well, we got we got to let Cooper go, but here's $11 million guaranteed for Dalton Schultz. Like, if the quarterback said it, though, you know, maybe there's another element in there. There's another recall. Was the quarterback making comments about your best run stopper on defense? <laughs> maybe one of your best players on defense? Or is he just talking about the offense? Because I would love for DeMarcus Lawrence to be back on this team, and I would love for Randy Gregory to be back on this team. And I think that's where the Cowboys fans' frustration – the Cowboys fans' frustration comes – like, it's all it's all worthy. There are times in this world where the Cowboys fans' frustration is not warranted. This it, – it totally is here. And, and I just – Especially now in the NFC, where there's like, hey, Stafford, Rodgers, Kyler Murray, Dak. I mean, you can name another quarterback in the NFC, and maybe he's got a chance. Dude, go get it. Like, it's here. Go now. And you're able to build on what you did last year because you did something that nobody was expecting you would do this offseason, and that's bring back your offensive and defensive coordinator. Like, if this isn't the time to go all in right now, if you just made the, the playoffs, I, I, I don't know what you're, unless unless this is a long-term plan for Sean Payton to come in here where you're just buying time until you can get him. That just doesn't make any sense. I Dak's not that young anyway. You know? I mean, he I mean, is, I mean, it but... really is. It's, it's old. It, it, in a way, though, it's kind of like, the way people talk about him being a young quarterback is like, no, it's that, time. That, no, that scene in Wedding Crashers towards the end where they're like both sitting on the steps with that with that bottle of champagne. They're like, ah, we're just a couple of kids messing around. And he's like, we're really not that young. And he, like that's that's like literally like he's twenty nine. Like this is go time. You're paying him forty million dollars a year. Like put the best possible team around this guy and go. Like I amen. just, it, what's that? I said amen, brother. I just the I can move past the Amari Cooper thing because, like I said. I think it's the easiest position to find players in the draft. Like yeah. they're just the way the college game is now. You can find it's the Demarcus Lawrence one, and 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 you know what? They won't say this publicly. It will eventually leak out if this is the case. But right now, they're not going to say it. But you know, his injuries could be a factor in this too. Where you know, because they could easily just restructure his contract. They throw another year on his contract. They could just give him another year and move that money down the road and make that a more affordable deal. But they don't want to touch that contract. They didn't want to touch it last year either. Then he gets injured during the season. He's on the on the on the wrong side of thirty. I, I bet you that factors in too. Is that they're like we might he might not be contributing two years from now. So if we don't cut him now, or 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 he doesn't take a pay cut now, then we're kind of in a, we're stuck in a in a difficult spot. I'm fine. Be stuck in that difficult spot. Like I understand that down the road you got to pay Trayvon Diggs and Micah Parsons, and you're going to pay C.D. Lamb and those guys. That's fine. That's still another two years away. Like the Demarcus Lawrence won't be the one that leaves me scratching my head. And you know what? The thing that'll make it only worse is if he does have a Von Miller, Demarcus oh. Ware type season where he leaves. Obviously, he's going to get a chance to pick to where he goes. He can obviously go highest dollar, or he can go to the best situation. And what if he is the difference maker for a really good team and puts them over the top? And it's Demarcus Ware all over again. Yeah, and also another thing on the Amari thing real quick, though. Amari's kind of a speciality receiver. Like, he specializes in certain things. Obviously, route running is his big thing. And <clears throat> when you have 
when you look at the targets, and and to me the targets is the biggest thing. More than receptions, more than yards, whatever. It's you're not even, and th- there's times where you're not even involving him in the offense. And so that's why it makes sense that if you're going to if you're going to move on from someone, I remember I I said this on this podcast during the season that um that it's not a given that Amari's going to be back. I think Gallup Gallup is a little bit cheaper and also you know he's he's more of that big body receiver, but he also allows CD Lamb to do whatever CD needs to do. Um, whereas I think Amari does one thing, and also Amari. Um, you can't use Amari perfectly unless you have a really stable offensive line. And I think that's another issue that the Cowboys have to address as well, that Amari gets open with his route running. You can't, and, and so you have to have a better offensive line as well. I think it's all kind of interconnected a little bit. So so if Gallup, let's go to Gallup real quick, because there's a chance that, you know, Cedric Wilson might've priced himself out of their range. Let's go to Ga- Michael Gallup. Are we talking 12 million well, what are we talking about? If you look at the hierarchy of wide receiver contracts, you have some guys there who are waiting on a contract that kind of muddies things up a little bit. Like, for instance, like Stephon Diggs is like right around the 20th the highest paid wide receiver right now. He wants, wants a contract. I started thinking about Gallup, and I was like, you know, that Corey Davis deal kind of makes sense. He's 27. He makes about 12 and a half a year. That's kind of the gauge right there. Again, we're talking about – down after the first probably 20 to 25 paid wide receivers, you have guys like Will Fuller and Tyler Boyd and Nelson Aguilar. I think I think it's realistic that Gallup could ask for more than that. I know he's coming off a, you know, an ACL, but Corey Davis was the name that jumped out at me. He's like, hey, man, that's a pretty good little number right there. And if he would do 12, I think I'd play at 12. You start talking about Michael Gallup getting up into the 15s and 16s, I'm not sure you can do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's in that 12 neighborhood. I think that's a good... That's a good spot there. Um, and I know these aren't directly related, but if they said we can't keep Gallup, but we can keep DeMarcus Lawrence, I'm keeping DeMarcus Lawrence. Yeah. And I understand he's older. But again, I just, and maybe I maybe I overrate wide receiver, but it just like, KT, how many years do we talk about the draft? And every single year, there is this plethora of wide receivers and they're not ones that you have to get in the top 15. You can find good, really good ones that can play right away in the second or third round. Again, we're not saying they're going to be number ones. Well, you're number one CD Lamb, you know? So you got to find some other guys, maybe find a one-year deal or, 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 or something cheap with, with another wide receiver that's, that's a free agent right now that you might be able to get. See, this is the thing about the Cowboys. Is the Cowboys are a great spot to get one-year deals with because there's a lot of attention on the Dallas Cowboys. So yeah. if you're a veteran receiver and you're just like, I just need to get back out to the market. I didn't really do much last year. Maybe I'm coming off of an injury. Let me play one year with the Cowboys. I can be their number two or number three receiver. And then I can hit free agency next year. Like I just, I looked at the way the Cowboys played this past year. Some of their best ball was played when Michael Gelb was on the sideline. When he wasn't even at the games, he was injured. He was out. The defense was such a huge part of that. I just, I don't understand why you're not going to continue to build on that defense. And I don't get the sense that they're going to fill that all those, all these defensive holes in the draft. I think the draft's going to be spent on getting an interior offensive lineman. It's going to have to get at least one receiver well, relatively yeah. high. They're going to have to get a t- tight end at some point because they're going to want to get another young tight end in there, especially if they don't think they can get Gallup's. I mean, uh, uh, Schultz signed to a long-term deal. There's a, plenty of other areas. Still need help at linebacker. Oh, by the way, there's really no safeties on the roster outside of uh, Donovan Wilson. Um, so there's a lot of other areas that you can look at that uh, – I don't know, but it seems like the, the deal with Gallup is is pretty much just a foregone conclusion. It's going to get done. So, but yeah, yeah. no, I think to 12, 
12 to $13 million range seems like it'll probably be somewhere in there. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You guys uh, mind if we go, you know, guys want to go shopping? A little free agency uh, shopping let's, list here? Let's do it. Uh, What's our budget uh, here, do- first of all? Let's talk salary we, cap. What, what, yeah, what are we looking like, John, on that front? Oh, that's a good question. Okay. Well, I... I think you can broad base it and say cheap guys looking for uh, you're looking for guys who are looking to come here. Like John said, for a one year deal, it's the same strategy as always. Right. It is maybe some higher upside guys cheap. And, and honestly, last year is kind of the outlier because they've struggled with these guys in the past, the Don Terry pose of the world and the, uh, uh, what was the guy? Uh, Nolan, uh, Nolan Carroll's of the world. Nolan Carroll. Uh, wow. That's a pull. Um, how about the difference Cedric last year was Thornton. that, was that Dan Quinn brought his own guys in. So he kind of, yeah. he kind of knew what he was doing there. Exactly. Um, for the sake of things, let's skip quarterback and running back. We don't need to mess around there. I, I got a name that I want to toss out there at wide receiver. I have two names at wide receiver. I'm going to throw out there. All right. And, and I don't think these are highly realistic, but the two things kind of crossed my mind. One, I'm just going through a past and a, and a track record here. He's a guy who's always hurt, but he would be cheap. And I mean, probably less than three or four million dollars. He's 29. It's Sammy Watkins. Now, just because back in the day, the Cowboys liked him, right? Remember the whole thing with him and, and Dez and the big offer that year in 2017 and all that stuff. The other name I'd throw out there, just because he's been here and he might like 
McCarthy and he might like Dak and they might need a body and some leadership. Another guy who gets hurt is Randall Cobb coming back on a one-year deal because there's a chance he could get cut in Green Bay. Now, I'm sure Rodgers would find a way to keep him back, but I thought that might be something that makes sense to fill a body if you got desperate. What do you guys think about those? I'm fine with both those. I'll just say this, you know, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster is a name that gets brought up because oh, yeah. of the fact that, you know, he was dealing with injuries and the fact that he was down here doing a promo thing with, with Dak for 7-Eleven and he mentioned the Cowboys. I will say that I don't think wide receiver will be uh, something that they'll be going after any of the players we're naming right now if they get Michael Gallup. If they were to not re-sign Michael Gallup, then these guys become into play. Like, mm-hmm. and, and Christian Kirk's another one. Um, That's what I was going to say. Uh, one the only thing I'll add to... The only thing I'll add to it is that I think that I think that they need an outside wide receiver. I I think C.D. Lamb's the best in the slot. I, they believe that Michael Gallup can play in the slot. I think they need a big they need another big receiver on the outside that can maybe do some some different things, whether it be in the red zone, you know, win one on one matchups. Some guy that that can maybe take has the speed to take the top off the defense. I don't think they need the slot as much as they need another outside receiver. Yeah, I think generally wide receiver, I think, will be taken care of in-house and in the draft. But a couple of guys, it kind of kind of goes against um, what what John is just saying in terms of the the outside guys. But um, Braxton Berrios with the Jets, like I think, you know, he's talented enough and he's someone who's never really had a consistent quarterback play or a good team. Um, I think he's pretty good um, and, and can come on cheap dollars as well. And then if you're really going for like, you know, outside guy that that's kind of injured and things like that. I think AJ green is also another veteran option who can just come in and, and maybe take a spot right away. Yeah. I always think back to like who uh, they might've liked, who were some visits over the past few years? Like, cause you still have Will McClay and, you know, and his team in house, even though you've had a head coaching change, all that stuff. You think about the Sammy season. Watkins matches up. Sammy Watkins matches up. Zay Jones. I know they like Zay Jones coming out. They I remember like, that. Oh, they like Zay the Jones. Zay Jones wouldn't cost a lot. Zay Jones is a guy who wouldn't Jeez, cost a lot of money. 2.5 last um, year. Rashard Higgins, who has ties to the Metroplex, of course, in Cleveland. I mean, he is, you know, yep. their third or fourth wide receiver at times. But we're talking about Emmanuel guys. Emmanuel Sanders. Marquise Goodwin, that. of course. Guys ties. You know, but at some point, if Gallup gets done, I feel like we're talking yeah. about less than $5 million on some of these guys. So, yeah, mm-hmm. there's some wide receivers. Go to tight end. Uh, we, we've talked about O.J. Howard, of course. You know, a guy that makes – I threw this out there on Twitter and get killed for it because this guy gets hurt all the time. But I was thinking about, again, while I'm telling you, tight end's not a position I feel like you have to spend a lot at. Kyle Rudolph at $2 million could happen. And that That's is a, a guy – who fits the – he's a guy, first of all, he played with Garrett and all that stuff in, in New York. But he's a guy who fits the mold of, I, I can't do some of the things that we were talking about, Schultz not being able to do, not getting up the field. But, man, you want solid six, seven-yard, you know, B-Dax binky at times, you know, and be a decent blocker. You have the injury questions there as well. But that makes sense. Now, that would be further down the list than an O.J. Howard. The other guy I really I like – and I think this is a guy who's just kind of needing opportunity is Mo Alley Cox, who was with the Colts. I mean, he's 27 years old and he just needed an opportunity to kind of go. Now that is if you're willing to go a little higher in terms of, Hey, we're, we're looking a little more explosive and I'm not necessarily sure that the Cowboys are trying to do that, but Mo Alley Cox is ninth in yard, uh, ninth in yards per route run over the past two years 
for tight ends. I mean, this is a guy who just needed some snaps. So I, I think that's a guy you could get for under $5 million, but it doesn't make sense to do any of this stuff now once you have Schultz done. So. What about what about um, Hayden Hurst? I just think, yeah, I, know I mean. You, I know him and Dak are close. That's why I ask. Before Schultz, I think it makes sense. I'm not real sure it makes sense anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you if you're giving Dalton Schultz at the minimum eleven million dollars, because if he signs an extension, it's going to be more than eleven million dollars a year. Now, Hayden Hurst is going to more than more than Mo Ali Cox or Kyle Rudolph. I think you're still talking under five million dollars for each one of those guys. Honestly, okay. I, I think they're I think they're all off the board. Is if you're bringing back Schultz, that's all I'm going to say. Okay. Yeah, um, I think I think if you're going depth, like you might, yeah, they might just entertain someone again, someone they're familiar with, Jeff Swaim or you know something, something like that, just to bring in behind Dalton Schultz. But I don't, I don't think they they go big at all. I think their tight end position next year looks like basically Dalton Schultz, somebody they draft, Sean McCune, and then if there is anybody signed, it's going to be like what they did this past year yeah. on a blocking tight end like Jeremy Sprinkle. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Oh, you want to talk offensive line? I mean, there's only one position, and that's and that's guard. And uh, there is not going to be any moving Lyle Collins, the left guard. Uh, one of the biggest issues they had with Lyle Collins this past season was they didn't like his bend as much as they liked it in previous years. It just I don't know if it's because of the hip. I don't know if it's the off season, whatever he had the year before. So if you're not liking his bend at, at right tackle, you're not gonna you're not gonna put a guy like that at guard. So. That left guard spot is the one that I don't see them spending very much in free agency. I just think that this is the spot where they're going to target, if not at 24 in the second round. Like, I, I think this is going to be a major, that interior spot is going to be a major factor here for them. And this is a team that's obviously drafted, drafted a lot of offensive linemen. Even though Mike McCarthy's resume isn't filled with a lot of first round offensive linemen, you, you can't count that out. And I think that would be an interior guy. It was interesting hearing Will McClay talking on the Cowboys uh, draft show uh, from the combine. And he mentioned how he thinks there's a lot of tackles in this draft class that have the ability to go and play guard. And for him to point that out, it stood out to me because it's like, that's exactly what you'd want to target if you're the Cowboys, because then that's a player that you can play at left guard this season. And then that player has a chance to possibly be a left or right tackle for you for the future that maybe you pair, pair with Terrence Steele. Cause they still love Terrence Steele. He's a young guy, but I mean, let's just be honest. Part of the problems with their offensive line last year were that Lyle Collins and Tyron Smith weren't the same Lyle Collins or Tyron Smith. You know, I I, I love uh, Kenyon Green, the A&M guard, but if we're talking free agents, I do have two names that I think help. And one thing oh. that I want is I want someone who has a little flexibility, right? I want someone who can do a little bit of both. He is a, a guy I didn't really love coming out of the draft, but he's been around and he he's a free agent pretty much every stinking year. And I don't think this is something that's more than $4 million. He's 28. Jermaine Effetti used to play for Seattle. You may remember him from his time there, but he can play guard and tackle. He doesn't get hurt. He stays healthy. Now, is he the most disciplined guy of all time? No. And that's part of the reason you're letting Connor Williams go, right? More than likely something like that. But the, the ability to play guard and tackle – the other name is a guy who I don't think would cost you much. He's 29. He can play center and guard. And this kind of, if you're losing Connor Williams, how do you feel about Connor McGovern maybe comes into play? Lucas Patrick is a guy 
who had some solid years in Green Bay, and he should not be expensive. I mean, he's under $5 million, I would imagine. And another guy who can play either guard spot, can play center, could play tackle if you needed him to, although that's not where he would you know, be his feature position. But I love the idea of Jermaine Effetti coming in here for cheap and just giving you somebody who can do both, you know? Because you're going to try to draft that guy anyways. Well, why not spend $3 million or $4 million on that guy as well? Like, I, I'm, I'm double dipping there. You, you need it. You got to make sure you're set there. And I just, I'm, I'm done trusting Tyron and Lyle to be healthy. I'm, I'm not doing that anymore. It's the same way I would, we, I talked about Sean Lee. We all talked about Sean Lee in the past. I'm not going into a season not ready to go there. And I know they like Terrence Steele and things like that. Um, so, yeah, just a couple names. That's all. Yeah, the, the guys that, like, I don't know, like, obviously right guard is is going to be Zach Martin. I think these guys have played right guard. But um, but Glowinski um, from Indianapolis, um, same thing, like 29 years old, I think. He's, he's, in the, he's hitting 30 or something like that. Um, I, I, he's a guy, and then in Tampa Bay, they have a couple of guys. So they're either going to keep Ryan Jensen or Alex Kappa, and I think they're going to keep they're going to go with Jensen. And if you can get Kappa, you know, for for relatively, I don't think he'll come cheap, but it is a position of need. So, um, let's go to defensive line. Yeah, D D line. Get some names there, John. Anyone you love? Yeah, yeah I'm going to stick on the edge because. Just from what I heard in Indy, I'm trying to think how to sum this up the best way. I don't feel that they th- think they need defensive tackle as much as we think they need defensive tackle. I'll put it to you that way. Yeah. Like they, I, it seems like they think a lot more of. I'm not going to say Tristan Hill, but let's say Osa and Neville Gallimore, and with how much nickel and dime they're in, um, I don't know if that. And again, we know that this Cowboy Simi isn't taking a defensive tackle at 24, but I I think the type of guys that you're looking at that they would be signing in free agency would be a lot of the same guys that they went after last year on one-year deals. The Carlos Watkins, the Brent Urbans, the guys that can play a little bit inside, a little bit outside. Uh, I think that they feel that Chauncey Golston can move inside a little bit and play some tackle too. Uh, so I'm looking more on the edge. Uh, I don't think that they would be, again, I envision they're going to have DeMarcus Lawrence or Randy Gregory. So, and then you have Basham coming back. So I think there's a decent chance they bring back Dorrance Armstrong. Um, and then I think they draft a guy, but let's say if they were looking at free agent guys on a one-year deal, Jason Pierre-Paul would intrigue me. I know he's older, but that's the only reason you even have a chance at him is just because he is an older guy and maybe you can get him on a one-year deal. Um, and the only reason why I say that is because if this is the team that they think it is, Jason Pierre-Paul interests me for the postseason reasons, that he's obviously been there, he's played in the postseason, he's had some big games in the postseason. Um, I understand he's missing fingers, uh, but uh, that's still somebody that, again, I just don't think they're going to spend very much. Like, you look at the list of these top edge rushers, like, they're not going after, they're not going after Jay Devy and Clowney. No. Like, if they were going to do that, they'd just keep Demarcus Lawrence, you know? So that's when you're like looking at the guys, like I said, like the Carlos Watkins is the F.A. Obata's, like the guys you've heard before. You That'd know, be like, a good story if F.A. Obata came back. That'd be interesting. Yeah. And Jihad Ward. There you go. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, he's available there. Oh, Jihad you know, Ward. God. I, yeah. Didn't, I'm he with bring, you. didn't he bring in like Ryan Switzer? Isn't, wasn't that his 
that trade? I think they found out very I swiftly so. that, that Jahad Ward was not going to work out. Like, I don't even think he made yeah. it through training camp. I, I like John's thought on um, Jason Pierre-Paul, too, because he might be willing to relocate, too, just given that, you know, Tom Brady's gone in Tampa Bay, too. I mean, it may not be a very – and they wouldn't obviously pay him probably. most like, yeah, I, I don't know how much it would cost you. The other night oh, I he posted out there, something. Yeah, he posted something on Instagram that he was, like, basically on his way out. So. Come get me, yeah. yeah. So it was last year, the one with the Patriot. I mean, I'm sorry, the one with the Bucks was two years, twenty five million, seventeen and a half guaranteed. And so he ended up. They got that down to his base salary. The first year was six point five million. And again, I mean, he's going to be thirty three. Yeah. So he's not going to be. He's not going to be commanding that kind of money. I just. It's more of the. Not so much the regular season. It's that you'd like to have another experienced pass rusher if they get back to the postseason, you know? Yeah, and I think... Oh, go ahead. No, I think Jerry Hughes is kind of along the same lines as well. Um, He's also in his mid-30s or something like that, but he's been productive and he played in a good system in Buffalo. Um, I think he's someone who, kind of like Jason Pierre-Paul, I think Pierre-Paul would probably come cheaper a little bit, um, but I think Jerry Hughes is someone also that kind of fits the same bill. I wrote down Justin Houston as well, 33, started 15 games for the Ravens last year. He had four and a half sacks, but he signed for two and a half million dollars last year. And playing 15 games and getting nearly five sacks probably bumps him up to three and a half or four million. Like it is, it's a cheap thing, 33, you know. And again, who does Dan Quinn like? Yeah, the yeah, other name. That's ahead. what I was going to say. That was that's how it went last year. You know, you run in KZ, yeah. uh, Keanu Neal, just the guys that Dan Quinn kind of knew and. That's how Marinelli did it, too. Guys he had experience with, he, he would go for in free agency. The other name, it's my final defensive lineman. He's more of a tackle than an end. And I'm just throwing this out there because I don't remember. Uh, they, they obviously weren't in position to draft him. I don't remember how much they liked him. But former top five pick Solomon Thomas had a sneaky, decent year with the Raiders last year. Now he's 27. Obviously, he's from here. Uh, had three and a half sacks. Plays inside and out. There's a little bit of upside into bringing him in for cheap. I can't see him being more than $4 million. I just don't think that's something anyone's going to do. So if they liked Solomon Thomas going into that draft a few years ago, that might be a name. But again, uh, who did Dan Quinn like in those drafts? Who did the Cowboys like in those drafts? Always makes sense. Linebacker. I've only got one name at linebacker that made sense. I know they still, you know, probably going to lose Leighton Van Der Esch. I guess – it's not out of this world that you could you could bring Van Der Esch back. It would depend on his on his contract. I, I think that might be that might be something they would be into maybe um, if it, if it was cheap. I wrote this name down. You'll remember him from his time with the Eagles. Um, I called him Shamu the Ham Gurgler on um, on the radio a long time ago, and it started <laughs> this thing. It was like a hashtag for a while. I don't I think that's real nice. Uh, Traditional Ken, spelling. Camu uh, Grugier Hill, former uh, Eagle great. But, dude, this guy has been signing one-year deals since the beginning of time, and he is a very cheap replacement who plays, who doesn't get hurt very often. And it could kind of just – if you're doing that thing where you're just bringing in a guy to rebuild his value and he's going to be cheap, he's a guy I'd be interested. But I, I'm more interested in, you know, Keanu Neal and, and Leighton Vander at cheap than I am, you know, messing around on the market at linebacker. Well, yeah, I mean, Anthony Hitchens is a name people are going to mention because he got 
let go of the Chiefs, but obviously the Chiefs aren't letting him go if they yeah. still think he's playing at the level he was a couple years ago. He's um, restricted, right? I don't know if he is or not. That's a good question. Yeah, he's unrestricted. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, but I agree with you. I think Keanu O'Neill makes a lot of sense. And I mentioned Hitchens because I look at a guy like Anthony Hitchens and Damian Wilson yeah. and, Jabril, and Jabril Cox, and those are guys that were all drafted by the Cowboys in the fourth round. So that's kind of where I would go. I mean, Jabril Cox, we don't know when he's going to be back, but he showed the signs that this guy could have some serious potential with the team when he comes back. So you have him already. Let's say you sign a Keanu O'Neal. Go and draft a linebacker in the fourth round somewhere. You know, like you don't need to do it in the first three rounds. Get a guy in the fourth round that he can contribute it right away. He's going to, you know, there's going to be some mistakes. There's going to be some growing pains. But maybe that ends up being a guy down the road that you can count on a little bit more. That's where I would be targeting to fill the linebacker spot. Because, again, they need to fill it, but it's not as big of a position as it was, let's say, three, four years ago. And certainly you, everything that I've heard, it seems like they're going to continue to use Micah Parsons the same way they did it last year. So as long as he's healthy, you're in pretty good shape at linebacker. But they need to add something there. And so I think there's a good chance of Keanu Neal coming back. Maybe they kick the tires on another veteran on the cheap. Um, but I think the more impact would come somewhere maybe in the third or fourth round in the draft to find somebody there that they think is a guy that, you know, fits what they need, great sideline to sideline guy, can kind of, you know, work with Micah Parsons and, and be a solid tandem if you, you know, down the road don't get what you're expecting from Jabril Cox. But I'm, I'm telling you right now, if Jabril Cox doesn't get hurt, there would be a lot more talk about him just being like, oh, well, they're gonna he's going to get moved in the starting lineup. I mean, there was some talk of that last year when yeah. he was healthy and playing a little bit, but – because there's a little bit of uncertainty there, uh, I, I think that you need to address it with another draft pick. But I don't think it has to be, you know, I don't think you need to draft N'Kobe Dean is basically what I'm saying. Sure. Yeah. And, and I think one, the only thing I'll add to that is this is kind of where Demarcus Lawrence's domino effect also comes in. Like, is Micah Parsons even going to play linebacker? Does he become just a straight up pass rusher because you don't have Demarcus Lawrence? And then you have, I think, an additional spot and less depth at linebacker. But if you if you are planning to use, like John said, Micah in the same way that they did last year, then then it's less of a pressing need. But if you're straight up, if he's straight up an edge rusher, all of a sudden Jabril Cox, the uncertainty with the injury, now you have a little bit more of a pressing need at linebacker. Yeah, the one interesting thing would be is if because they lose, you know, let's say Lawrence, let's say hypothetically they lose Lawrence, they resign Randy Gregory and they're kind of like, and let's say they even bring back Dorrance Armstrong. They're like, man, we still need more pop on the end. Like we're going to play, we're going to play Mike at linebacker, but it's going to get a lot more edge rushing snaps. You know, they could show their hands in the draft because if they take a linebacker at 24, I really feel like even if they take a linebacker in the second round, they'll be kind of showing their hand in that. But I will say in the combine being out there in Indy, it was very common to hear the, the Cowboys pointing out things like, you know, seven of those sacks last year uh, from Micah came from the linebacker position. Like there is that they really like that, that they like being able to line up and the offense not knowing on every single play where Micah's going to be. They love that, that he could be over the nose. He could be playing traditional linebacker. He could be right end. He could be left end. They really, really like that versatility with him. And if you just make him a left end or right end, then every single play, you kind of know where he's going to be at. And also, if you're going to make him just a left end or right end, you know his snaps are going to go down. He's not going to play as many snaps as he did last year where he pretty much played the whole entire game. I want to go to corner now. I mean, you could envision a world where it's Trayvon Diggs and your last year's second-round pick, Kelvin Joseph. You have Anthony Brown. Now, you have the option. You could cut Anthony Brown. 
um, you'd have 1.5 million of dead money, but you'd be saving five million dollars. Where do you think they stand at cornerback? Having Jordan Lewis, having Anthony Brown, having um, Calvin Joseph, and having Trayvon Diggs. I think they're in good shape. I really do. I, I, I think that's a that's a solid core that you really didn't get to see much Calvin Joseph because those other three stayed healthy. I don't think you need to do a lot there, um, but it is a position that I'd always be targeting, and 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 in the draft, I mean, and it just seems like these corners keep getting they keep. It's it's almost like there's only so many wide receivers to go around. So in the college game, you're seeing a lot of guys that are, let's say, getting the Nick Saban talk that he gave Trayvon Diggs, where these college coaches are telling him like, yeah, I know you played, I know you played wide receiver in high school. You're a good wide receiver. You'll be you you'll be pretty good for us. But if you move to corner, you know that you're playing on Sundays. And I just seem like these corners keep getting bigger and bigger. Uh, to match up against these bigger, quicker wide receivers, so you know I would definitely kick the tires on, on on a corner later on. But I don't, I don't think you need to make a move at corner in, in, in free agency. Uh, they they like the upside that Kelvin Joseph has. You obviously invested a second round pick on him last year. I don't think you need to make a lot of moves there. You know, one name I wouldn't mind having back who's free though for seriously for a million dollars is Maurice Kennedy. Um, He's a guy, I mean, we're talking again, we're talking about our fifth corner at that point. Safety. Yeah. Obviously, they're working on Curse, I would imagine, right? You think that's probably priority number one at safety right now? Yeah, Curse. And then I would think that there's probably a decent chance they bring back either KZ or Malik Hooker. You know, I mean, that's basically last year. I mean, we saw them, you know, get one year deals with these guys. I, I don't know that either of them did enough to where you're like, oh, you're not going to be able to resign them. They're going to get more money and a, a longer term deal from someone else. Uh, I, I just, you know, it's, it's funny. I was talking to Bob Sturm about this on one of the pieces we did recently. And, and like he was saying, like, yeah, while while the Aaron Rodgers of the world are going to get their $50 million deals and there's going to be a lot of guys in, in, you know, in the near future getting these big money deals that you hear when free agency starts, even with the salary cap going up, there's going to there's going to be a lot of like bargains of guys that like teams don't have a lot of money to mess with because they've already committed it to like these four or five guys so I think there's going to be a lot more bargains out there. I think the Cowboys are in a good spot at safety where J. Ron Curse absolutely, the way he played, I think is a priority. But that other safety spot, I don't think you have to spend a lot to get a good safety or at least a solid safety, you know, that is going to be what basically Hooker or KZ were last year. So I don't think you really have to go too far to find that guy. Um, and then also, to you know, why we're talking about defensive backs, you know, I'll throw in there that he's, they still like the upside of Nishan Wright. So, you know, keep that name in, in mind too. Like, you know, they sure. would like to, to try and get him some reps on the field as well. So, Yeah, and also with safety, it's not like they've ever emphasized that position. So now, right. when, they, now when they are in a pretty decent position and it's not a position to need as it was a couple of years ago, it wouldn't really make sense for them to go big on that position now. Uh, before we get out of here, any thoughts on the big trade, Denver getting Russell Wilson, and then uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, re-signing with Green Bay? I mean, I love the Russell Wilson move by Denver because it's a, like go, going all in type move. They obviously gave up a lot for him, and he's going to need a he's going to need a new contract, so he's going to get paid a lot of money. I think he's got two years left on his deal, but I just like the idea of them going all in and being like, "Hey, uh, we're going to make a run at this." Uh, you know, why go against what the Bucks and the Rams have done the last two years? 
And I'm not saying that I expect the Buccaneers to be in the Super Bowl or anything, but they've at least made themselves a legitimate contender. And it just didn't think it didn't seem like things were going to work out well with the way they were trending. There was just too much talk, both going back and forth in Seattle. So, yeah, they probably gave up. They probably had to overpay a little bit. But, man, to get a quarterback like Russell Wilson, there's still plenty of tread left on that tire. I liked it for them. And uh, your boy in Green Bay is just a drama queen. I mean, that's just what it is. I mean, that's just there's no other way to put it. I oh, mean, yeah. he just, you know, the, the, I mean, Jordan Love even, sucks. I mean, forget forget even today. Just I mean, uh, of of the move. Just I mean, I'm saying forget what happened for today is what I should have said. Just look at today. Like he had to fire off that tweet. Did you re- did did you really have to do that? <laughs> he did, did. Did you? Did you really have to do that? The idea that people think that he wanted to go somewhere quiet and just be left alone. He is somewhere quiet. It's Green Bay. Like, he doesn't want to be left alone. He wants to be the center of tension at all times. And as soon as you come to grips with that, you understand how he works. Yeah, I think that I think that's a prerequisite for quarterbacks in Green Bay, though. So, Yeah, it appears to be. I do think Denver was an option, of course. We all know that. And I think Pittsburgh might have intrigued him. But I think at the end of the day, I think he uh, there's two things. I think he wants to be – it's not that he doesn't – he doesn't always want to be liked, but I think he doesn't want to see. He saw that what happened with Favre, I guess is what I'm saying. And I don't think he wants to deal with that. I think the idea of being the villain might entice him, but I think he knows that the reality of that happening would not be good for him. And I think, too, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to go to the AFC. In a world with Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen in it and Herbert on the come and, and Russell Wilson over there now, it just, to me, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to go to the AFC. The NFC, and this is why I'm more a little frustrated with the Cowboys not finding a way to kind of run this back as much of, as possible, is because I look at the the NFC and I see a San Francisco team that beat you who has no clue what they're doing at quarterback next year. I mean, they can say Trey Lance. Maybe they're going to try to find a way to get Tom Brady in there, although, you know, that may not end up being allowed. Um, but you have Stafford, you have the Cardinals who no one's going to take seriously right now. You got Aaron Rodgers. Like I, I think you got to go and I think you got to go now. This ain't the days of the past when you had Rodgers, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, you know, a bunch of them. Like it's kind of like, let's go now. And it feels like they're not going to attack it that way. And that's terribly frustrating. Sad when when KT, when KT said that, all I was thinking of was that Michael Scott where he's like sitting there, he's like, do I need to be liked? Absolutely not. <laughs> I like to be liked. I enjoy yeah. being liked. But it's not like a, a compulsive need to be sure. liked. Like like my need like my need to be praised. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's Aaron Rodgers right there. Like and that absolutely is, is. That is absolutely I think I think the the interesting thing with those two guys today though was just the chatter of how how close or how much of a consideration Russell Wilson was for Washington and the kind of offer that they were getting set to make for, for that. And just how crazy that would have been for, for the Cowboys in this division. I mean, I can't like props to Russell Wilson because he has some balls to go into a division with Pat Mahomes and Justin Herbert and Derek Carr. And I know it's a trade. It's not all his choice, but obviously he was, he signed off on it. He was okay going there. Um, it, it like you know you got to respect a guy that's like KT like you said the NFC you can come and and have and and become an instant contender. Tom Brady did it like in, in an instant um, did that. But um, I, I think I think to go to the AFC and go to the AFC West for Russell Wilson um, that was that was a ballsy move. But just hearing like you know the kind of offer that Washington was set to make 
man, if you had Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson twice a year for a couple of years, that would have been uh, that would have been something. Well, uh, Mike Sando, our NFL writer on their, uh, I believe it was on their, it was what podcast? The football show, I think he's on. Yeah, Kent, with us earlier. He had a, yeah. He had, yeah, he. I mean, he he covered Seattle for a long time. He lives up in Seattle. I mean, he's got a lot of connections up that way. He had a really good take on this, and he was saying about how basically what it is is that uh, Russell Wilson sees himself like Tom Brady. Yeah. He sees himself like Aaron Rodgers, like the like the guy that I can do it alone. Like I want to throw forty times a game. I want to be the guy that this is all on my shoulders. I'm the man, and Seattle didn't see him that way. And you know what? that the actions totally back that up. They, they definitely did not see him that way like that. And so he's going to Denver. Clearly John Elway and others must see him like that. I I just don't think that there's enough good quarterbacks in the NFL for you to not roll the dice on him being that quarterback. There just isn't enough good ones out there. So uh again, I just I like to move for Denver. I just I don't think you're going to win without a a big time quarterback. I mean, I guess you can every once in a while like the Eagles did with Foles, but this is this is your best best path, uh, so I like the move for Denver. And, still and the Eagles with- didn't really do it with Foles either. Carson Wentz had an MVP year that year. Foles, I mean, full, credit to Foles for the playoff run, but the yeah. Eagles got in that position yeah, because the, they yeah. did have that guy with Carson Wentz. You know, the interesting thing for me about that trade, though, is that they get two first-rounders, but it's one this year and one next year. So you get number nine pick in a draft where taking a quarterback in the top ten Probably not likely, although I think we'll, we're about to start to see the rise of Malik Willis and all that stuff. But I don't think, you know, it's a great year to have that. And then next year, well, I'm sorry, a Russell Wilson-led Denver Broncos team is probably going to go win eight or nine games. So you're not getting, like, you're going to be picking somewhere 15 to 20. You're not getting a top 10 pick out of any of this to lose one of your most beloved players in your franchise's history. I also couldn't help but go, man, I wonder if uh, – I wonder if Green Bay could give Seattle Jordan Love for one of those second round picks they're getting from Denver. Man, and if what you're, is this? Se- what if you're is this? Seattle, what does that you move do that? say about Jordan? Well, no, I mean, what is? What do you think Jordan Love is? Don't I think those cards have been put out <laughs> well, on the table? I think we know pretty well Drew, what Jordan Love is. <laughs> not good. He's basically Drew Locke. Like, I mean, he's right. not. Hey, I mean, that's they got Drew Locke, and I mean, you, he's basically Drew Locke at this point. So. Ooh. You have the cheap fifth-year option on him. That's the difference. Is you'd have three years to find out. Yeah, I just think that if if Drew if Drew Drew Locke or um, Jordan Love even had the chance to be Jared Goff, I think that these teams that they were with would have given them a, a little bit more chance to show what they could do. I think I think that they know what they got there. They those guys. Okay, we'll be back next week. We've got uh, free agency will be uh, happening next week, obviously. So we'll be back with a podcast to discuss all that stuff. And if there's anything emergency that we need to tend to, we'll be back for you as well. Keep following Saad Youssef on the Dallas Stars beat as well. As the Stars are trying to uh, jockey for playoff position and playing really well lately. Uh, John Mishota always having tons of Cowboys content for you as well. And Kent Garrison, thank you for producing our show. As always, I'm Kevin K.T. Turner. We'll be back next week on the next episode of About Them Cowboys. I fucked it up.